May the 4th be with all of you listeners. This is the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast, recording on Wednesday, May 4th. Uh, happy Star Wars Day. Happy Happy Ryback Day. We're going to talk about Ryback at the back end of the show today. Um, let's bring the crew in. D-Wayne's going to kind of be in and out. He's doing some daddy duties, but he'll be joining us shortly. Um, Mr. Two Chains, hello. Hello, fellas. Uh, Mr. Sidley Sellis, Hello. Hello, how are you doing, sir? I'm well, how are you? Oh, I'm good, good, good. Um, Dr. M, hi. Haven't, I can't remember, I'm sure you've been on recently and I just don't remember, but I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad to be back. We've been telling the, the listeners that you're just in a post-WrestleMania bunker of some kind until you, I don't know if it's like a Groundhog Day situation where you kind of have to look for your shadow or something. I've just been telling people I'm in captivity, that's all. Okay. Well, if you need us to come get you, let us know. <laughs> well, we can hire the Ryback. He might be a free agent soon. Again, we'll yeah, talk about might. that later. <laughs> um, so Payback was on Sunday, and Raw was on Monday, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm just going to start right at the top. And I, I'd love to kind of frame this in, like, just so, like, we're not all negative or all positive, just kind of do, like, a, a quid pro quo type thing. Like, let's get some negative feedback if there's criticism some positive feedback um, on the same stuff. I want to start with the main event. Um, uh, some of us had projected that this could be the match of the night, and I felt very strongly that, you know, outside of how entertaining Kevin Owens was for about the first hour of the show, I thought that the main event was great. I think this is the main attraction angle on WWE right now. I think they're starting to trend in the right direction, as I was telling people on Twitter that night. And on Raw, um, trending with Roman in the right direction in terms of not like he, I mean, it's like he says, he's not really a heel, he's not really a babyface, he's just kind of a bad dude that can beat people up. And what I especially loved about this was kind of the continued tease of the Bullet Club, you know, having friction with AJ but still being on his side. You get the Usos involved in something meaningful again, which is always nice. And um, I just love the finish of that match where, like, I think AJ might have missed, like, the phenomenal forearm or something, and he fed right into that spear um, after the match had been restarted twice. And, you know, with all the restarts, and AJ kind of winning the first one by DQ, it gives credence for him to get that rematch at Extreme Rules, where I, I sense with the Extreme Rules stipulation, something's going to go down in terms of AJ and Gallows and Anderson. But I just loved the whole thing. You know, people... I saw some complaints online. People complain about how stoppy and starty the match was, but I was thoroughly entertained, and I think they might have went 30 minutes, which was really impressive. Can't remember the last time Roman Reigns, if ever, went that long, and um, I have nothing but positive feedback. Now, feeding it to you, Mr. Silly Sellis, I'm sure you you have some uh, critiques of the match. You know what? Honestly, this was the best storytelling of the whole pay-per-view team. Oh, my gosh. He's happy today. Yes. I, I'm, I'm very happy. And, and once again, I'm glad that 
that uh, AJ was not fed the title so quickly because we did not need a quick title change. And to me, this brought back, even though they was always mentioned about this is a new era, this is a new era, I'm, I'm really wondering if this is going to be like a new era where it's like going to be a new name and everything. Because this felt Attitude Era-esque to me because this is how B-level pay-per-views are supposed to be. They're supposed to be great matches that continue stories over multiple times that, that is actually good for, for wrestling. Like, the storytelling, even transitioning into Raw between these two was really great. Even the Usos' involvement, I am very, uh, you know, in for that they're getting, like, a main event push-type story, even though they're not contending for anything. It's just great to see. I have no complaints about how the match restarted twice, and it just flowed perfectly to me. Well, the, you mentioned the restarts. Like, I was so happy where they, they made it no count out. It's like, all right, that's cool. We're going to get a definitive finish because I hate when we don't. And then it yep. was no no DQ, and I'm like, oh, what's what's Anderson Gallo is going to do now? This is crazy. Um, yep. And ultimately, you still had Roman look strong, which is good because he's your champion, but you made AJ even more of a, a baby face out of the whole thing, you know, with on, on Raw, too, when he kind of refused to clock Roman, but then Roman clocked him. It's like AJ's yep. got to get extreme now, which is you know the whole function of their match. But um, mm-hmm. Doctor M, are you on board with the positivity here? The power of positivity. I'm definitely on board with it. Woo. I like you guys. I I enjoyed that main event, and uh, like you said, Aaron, I think that is this storyline is the best thing going in WWE right now. Um, and I would argue that in the what are we in now? May the first few months of 2016 i i think there's a solid argument that aj styles is the mvp of wwe like the way he obviously came in with a bang at the royal rumble great feud with jericho and i think he has really helped to elevate roman reigns like that match was was quite good and then they they did it again on monday with the usos and Mm -hmm. gallows and anderson involved um so yeah, I, I enjoyed the main event. I, I'm liking this storyline, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I did have a chance to kind of get on Twitter and look around on um, Sunday night, and you're right, Aaron. There were there was mixed reaction, and I, I noticed a couple of people were even complaining about, you know, how is this helping Roman to be the top face? And I'm just like, well. I don't know if I missed something here, but he comes out every week now and in plain English tells us that he's not a good guy or a bad guy, but the guy. So I'm, I'm confused as to why people are still holding on to this idea that WWE is trying and failing to make him the top face when that's clearly not what's happening. Um, yeah, he, he does what he uh, says he's going to do. That's pretty – I'm not sure how much more definitive you're going to get. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I would argue that AJ Styles has been the MVP of the first few months of 2016, um, and that he is really helping Roman to, um, make that nice transitional turn into being a top level heel. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, uh, two chains, anything you wanted to add on what's already been said about the main event picture in Raw and WWE right now? Absolutely not. I think everything's been said to a T. Um, I'm just good at the publicity that he's getting because he's a um, he's a global star. So I think everything's working towards his advantage. And his, his ESPN time that he got the other night was also good for him as well. So yeah, I need to see uh, that still. Yeah. So 
uh, nothing nothing to complain about the storyline. Some of the best storytelling that we had in a while, and I'm completely for it. Yeah, you know what's you know what's crazy. Just real quick, D Wayne. You know what's crazy is that him, like you said, being on ESPN and on WrestleMania and on Raw every week. He's a bigger star in the last four months compared to his entire like 12, 15 year, whatever it is, career. Just by being a part of the WWE and then, you know, being, like you said, a global star now. Not that he hasn't been global because he he was over in Japan. He was over in TNA. It's just insane how the guy can manage to get over everywhere he goes. You don't, I mean, Daniel Bryan was probably the last guy I can think of that really just got over in so many different places. Um, But D-Wayne, go ahead real quick before we transition. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm loving this main event picture, but it's one thing. It's one thing only. And it kind of made me think when I was reading the article earlier about the feud not having a true heel. And this is the case where we don't know what the WWE is going to do because it's just like we might he, we we keep getting teased as Roman Reigns heel turn, but at the end of the day, something telling me that it's not going to happen. That WWE still going to steer its course into being what they want for him, and they want him to be the face. And I think it's more Vince McMahon stubbornness. The storytelling is so great that it does that this feud doesn't need a true heel. Well, it's great. I love it. It's probably the best thing going overall right now, besides uh, Sami Zayn and KO. But yeah. Well, we can get to that next because, yeah, I, I agree with what you said there. You know what, what's crazy, too, is that, like we talked about on the Payback preview, which um, people are still going back and listening to post-Payback, which is neat. There's so many ways they could go. And, you know, we haven't even really talked about the whole Finn Balor thing, if that's even a thing coming anytime soon. There's so many ways they can go that makes you want to tune in and see what's going to happen next. And you can't always say that about a lot of the angles in WWE. Um, I think about the... The last Raw before WrestleMania, everything was already booked in tight. There was no intrigue about that last Raw. It just kind of was what it was. It was a three-hour commercial for WrestleMania. Um, I agree, man. There's a lot of ways they can go. And, you know, a lot of people think Roman's going to just stand pat and Vince is going to be stubborn. But then again, maybe he won't. There's always that, too. We saw him kind of be a little heelish and kind of clock AJ, even though AJ spared him at the end of Raw. So there was some heelishness there. But again, like Dr. M said, he says it in plain English. He is a bad, he's not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy either. So, um, can, can I say one more thing just to, just to that and to add to D Wayne? Sure. Even though we don't know, I guess what they're trying to do with Roman Reigns, you know, they really don't know what they're trying to do with AJ too. Cause AJ could go just as heelish. If he tries to make a bullet club and you can have a heel versus heel type thing. Where you just have two bad guys just slobbering it out with mm-hmm. their respective cohorts with them, that that can go in the way too. So I, I kind of like it that the way is okay. Is this guy going to be a face? Is this guy going to be a heel? That, that that just brings the storyline more better, in my opinion. Yeah, but also thinks it makes you to think two things because again, since it's there's a lot of ways you know this story. Again, we haven't heard much about Finn Balor lately either, so we don't, don't need know. to. Well, we heard one thing. We heard that he's going to have his rematch at TakeOver on, I think it's June the 7th, against Joe. So there is that. He's still going to work a main event program, at least up to that point. You got to think Joe's going to come out with the title still there, but, you know, that's what Finn Balor's doing. But again, Kevin Owens was doing NXT title stuff after he debuted on Raw against Cena. So, like, Mm -hmm. you kind of go either way there, I guess. Um, 
So it's just like we, like I said, the storytelling is so good that we we're sitting here trying to guess, but we really don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day, and that's the way that I like it. I mean, you have Roman Reigns, like I said, he displays this some heel tendencies, but again, like you said, he's not a good guy, he's not a bad guy, but one thing we know is he is the guy right now. Why is that not a T-shirt yet? I just want to know if the the new day can get the the booty is big and bright in the heart of Texas, they should be able to come out with a Roman Reigns shirt like that. Um, so you, know the, I, you know what I think? What's that? I don't think, I don't think we see a Finn Balor debut until at least, if it's going to work, if it's going to work this angle until at least um, somebody else um, debuts on uh, Roman Reigns' side. Either that or maybe it's also like, okay, so if I could take two minutes, I have this crazy fantasy booking idea. Maybe we can talk about the Shane and Steph thing real quick. So what about <laughs> this is totally dumb, but what maybe it's not. What about this? So when when they did the whole Shane and Steph thing in Chicago at the pay per view, I totally thought they were going to be like, I want Shane to stick around, but I want Steph to stick around. Let's do the brand split. I thought. Did anyone else have that feeling that that's where they were headed for a second there? I did too. Yeah. Okay. I didn't actually. I didn't even. Well, it could have happened, but now that you say it, but I wasn't even thinking that. Yeah, I kind of was just because the you know the rumors had been batted around online um, pre WrestleMania, whatever. So it wouldn't be, but they they could still do it. So like Shane and Steph, they're kind of getting along a little bit now, but you can tell Steph's not feeling it, and maybe they it gets to like a chaotic point where they just cannot manage the the raw brand or whatever together, and so Vince says, "All right, we're splitting it up. You know, Steph, you get Raw, Shane, you get SmackDown, or vice versa." I'd kind of like to see Shane right. on Raw to be honest with you, um, and do the brand split that way. But then Triple H says, "Well, what about me?" And, Vince could say something like, I want to keep it amongst my real family, not you. Something like that. So then Triple H goes down to NXT, which he is kind of in charge of, and brings in like, not like an invasion, I don't want to call it that, but maybe that's the way Balor comes in and Triple H is like, this is my guy and he's going to take down your guy or something like that. But because I, you know, there's so much hype around this potential, whatever this Bullet Club thing is, I would almost prefer Finn Balor be a star in his own to a, to some degree, because I think he is. Interesting. I don't know. I don't necessarily like think that that's it's all the way logical, but it's something that they could do. But then again, that involves Triple H kind of being babyface, and I almost prefer him as a heel a majority of the time, unless he's with Shawn Michaels. Um, and even that got old after a while, I guess. But um, you, you mentioned D-Wayne, the KO Sami Zayn thing, so that, that storyline kind of collided with Cesaro Miz, in a very unexpected but in a lot of ways pleasant thing. We got to see Kevin Owens in a cowboy hat on commentary, fellas. Uh-huh. That was amazing. Um, I like where they're headed with this. I, I guess my question to you guys is, is this a way to get the title on somebody without – I guess like where do you think they're going? It's clearly going to be like a four-way type of thing. And I, I get the feeling that Miz is not going to come out with the title with these heavy hitters all going after him. Why not? That's the perfect setup for him. It, it is, and I, I, like I said previously, I would, I want the Miz to hold that title for a very long time. But I get, I get a sense that this has been built to put the title on Sami Zayn without having to have him beat Kevin Owens specifically or directly. And I, I agree with you. I, I was thinking that as soon as he had the title up, I was just like, is this a tease or is this a setup? Because I mean, you have these four guys, these four. Guys, uh, three and a half of them can go. Um, three and a half? Who's the half? Don't say the Miz. The Miz is not a half. 
The yeah. Miz is a great. He's not, he maybe technically not like a Bret Hart, but yeah. he's a great <laughs> professional wrestler. Three and a half. Oh, uh, you're terrible, D. Uh, 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 oh, jeez, that's terrible. Um, but I feel I I do feel that way. I feel like they don't want Sami Zayn to straight beat Kevin Owens, so why not interject? Everyone else, so he can. And if, honestly, for real, for real, my uh, my obvious target right now is for Zami saying to pin um, the Miz because I don't think they would even want him to pin um, Cesaro. I wouldn't want him to pin Cesaro either. I, if they're gonna do it, that's the way you do it. Um, you know what? And then it's kind of a cool story coming out of that because then Kevin Owens, who made a very big deal at Payback, that that is my title and I want it back. And I didn't think I got a fair shot back at it, which he did. He's just being heelish or whatever. But it kind of puts a lot of doubt in the fans' minds. Like, Sami Zayn has never beaten Kevin Owens. And maybe he's not going to be able to hang on to that title when Kevin goes after him. Um, I really like what they're doing with those guys. I think you guys are going in the wrong direction. You want to know my personal opinion? I think with the unfortunate thing that happened to Enzo... I think that it was no plan for even Kevin Owens to come close to this uh, intercontinental title until uh, Enzo got hurt. And this is why. I think they was going to put uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn as the next match. But then since they had to make up so much time, I think the producers backstage says, okay, we're, we're going to twist this uh, angle with Cesaro in the midst, but we're going to add you two in this element since we have extreme rules. So I bet you they told Kevin, I need you to stall some time do some mic promos, act like you want to go after the title, and then go to commentary. So that way it lengthened the whole feud or lengthened the whole concept where Kevin Owens had beat Sami Zayn, but yet he's trying to introduce himself into the title, but it still allows Sami Zayn to still attack Kevin Owens, which would lead to a Sami Zayn versus Miz feud because the Miz can actually pin Sami Zayn in Extreme Rules. So by that time, you can have Kevin Owens once again come out in June because in June pay-per-view, I think that's the money in the bank if I'm not mistaken. You're not. Then you have then you have Kevin Owens say, okay, forget this Intercontinental title. I'm going after money in the bank. And then Cesaro says, no, I'm going after money in the bank. Whatever superstars you're going to go after. And then you have a little mini feud with Kevin Owens winning money in the bank with Cesaro trying to get that money in the bank briefcase from him. And maybe you have a match in July for Battleground where you're trying to battle for the briefcase. So that way, it leads to SummerSlam, where Kevin Owens may be able to cash in the briefcase, and then he is your new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I think that's ludicrous, but I think it would be fun. <laughs> I think it's I, it happen. See, I think this. I think it was intended. At least it seemed that way to me. Those finishes oh, flowed together so perfectly. I I highly doubt that that was on the fly. It was yeah, great booking. I think, I think it was intended also because. Everybody benefits from this storyline. You're absolutely uh, right. Maybe with the exception of The Miz. But like, I don't think Cesaro necessarily needs a secondary title right now. I think yeah. all eyes, especially like long-term planning, are on him being in the main event scene at some point, if not late this year, then next year. Uh, I don't think he needs the title. I think um, this is definitely going in the direction of Sami Zayn getting the belt at some point soon because I think he, he can benefit from having the belt. Um, Owens looks strong wherever he's put, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think this storyline only helps him as well. And, you know, I do, I do think this does set up, you know, maybe Sami Zayn getting the belt, um, Owens and Zayn going at it one more time, and maybe Sami finally getting that 
definitive win mm-hmm. over Kevin, uh, but then Kevin bouncing right back and winning money in the bank. And you know who, just to throw this out there, because I, I really, his promos are good and his matches are all right. I, I'm not a huge fan of his feud with Jericho, but if they don't put the money in the bank on Kevin Owens, how entertaining would it be to have Dean have it, who's already you know off his rocker, unpredictable as it is, going after his brother, Roman Reigns, who's going to probably talk a whole lot, who's going to be a lot less friendly towards Dean Ambrose coming after his title than he was you know when he was chasing the title back in the winter. I only think that would happen if uh, Seth Rollins can come back during oh. that time. Because I think it would be so much better if Seth Rollins can come back. And then, once again, um, we keep throwing this out because it's going to happen. Then you have your Shield match, Triple Threat match. Yes, for the title. Yep. It would be a good SummerSlam main event, too, if they wanted to go there. And we can't forget Cena's coming back soon, too. So who knows what he's even going to do. Um, Memorial Day, he comes back. Um, yep. Wow. So... I've heard a lot of great positive things from everybody on the crew up to this point. We we lost D-Wayne and 2 Chains. They both have family obligations they had to duck out for. They might be back before we wrap today. Um, very positive um, post-WrestleMania. And, you know, a lot of, like, just to be clear, I was pretty high on WWE in a lot of respects going into WrestleMania. I had a great time in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great time at AT&T Stadium once I actually got into the building. <laughs> um, so... But I do think this is one of the better fallouts from WrestleMania long-term that we've seen in quite some time. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's not like re- WrestleMania rematch vomit. You know, They're actually doing some pretty creative stuff. Um, and just one more thing about Kevin Owens. He is a main event star. Anything you put him in, it, it comes off really well, almost kind of like Randy Orton about five years ago. Or anything he was in was pretty good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now that we're missing Randy Orton, I think Kevin Owens is filling that void very well. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. I think he brings a lot of value to the company, and I'm so happy for him. There's this um, like mini podcast he does with Colt Cabana. This was from a couple years ago before he got signed by WWE, where he was just like miserable and hurt, and like was con- like asking on the podcast, like, "What am I doing with my life?" I have a family, and to see him be so successful now is just really great. I just wanted to throw that out there too. Um, sure, sure. I don't feel like there's much to be said about the women's division. I, you know, I think we can all agree that the finish at Payback, you know, kind of the throwback to the Montreal Screwjob was stupid. Oh, uh, that that that's that's my most negative point. I hated it. I hated it. It came I out really of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I you know it was stupid. Like I totally get the logic behind it. Totally get it. I just, it, just, yeah, the execution just wasn't there, and like, cause I, it was a sort of a nice throwback to you know, especially Charles Robinson in his little Nate days, right? Um, but you know, two women the caliber of Charlotte and Natalia, I, I think they deserve better than that. Well, it was, a, vi- it was a victim of overbooking, is what it was. They overthought yeah. the whole thing. Oh, yeah. made you mad. Like, like they could have easily had. You know, Charlotte cheats somehow again, and then you build to the match at Extreme Rules where Rick is finally banned from ringside, and there's nobody left to defend Charlotte except herself. That's not a hard story to tell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Well, and, I, just, I just hate even talking about it. It just, it just makes. <laughs> yeah, it was very frustrating, and it was like in the middle of the show, so you kind of had a rebound from that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 
Speaking of unfortunate, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of throw out our best to uh, Enzo Amore. Um, I, For sure. I think WWE's done a nice job, and that comes from me also reading the SmackDown spoilers, which I do intend to watch. I've been watching a lot of SmackDown lately. Um, I think they're handling Cass quite nicely, keeping his momentum on TV for the... And what did me Dr. M say about Cass? What did, what did you say? I don't know what you're referring to. We both said that he could be a big star oh, by yeah. himself. Well, what's cool about him is that he can hold his own just by his size alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, if for some reason, God forbid, Enzo is on the shelf for a while, it becomes like a Daniel Bryan thing all over again. He's still got his mouth, and he can still yeah. be out there with Cass. And like, not that Enzo's not a fun worker to watch. He does a great job at selling and building to that hot tag. But it's really he's also got a great career ahead of him as a mouthpiece whenever he wants to step into that role at some points exclusively. Yeah, for sure. But let me say this one thing. If one thing saved his, I, I don't want to say this, you know, saved his life or career in having that concussion, the way the rope hit him and the way he hit his head saved his life like that. Because if you think about it, the ring is a very, very soft, like hard pillow. I don't want to say soft, hard pillow. That's like an oxymoron. But it's a very soft pillow that when impacted in a certain way, it kind of can protect you then if it was a, a cement or railing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it kind of, fortunately, if it happened, it happened just like that where he landed in a better way that it could have been worse. And I wish that on nobody, and that's why I immediately tweeted, wrestling is real, folks. Like, literally, these guys can get hurt at any minute. They work very hard and how to do what they need to do. But it's just always unfortunate where a match literally has to stop like that because somebody is hurt. Well, and the the thing that really upset me outside of the fact of my concern for a superstar that I am very much invested in, all these marks on Twitter saying, well, Simon Gotch botched it. It's like, first it of all, first goal. of all, it was like, not that I understand what it's like to be a professional wrestler and how that works, because I'm clearly not. But what I could tell by watching it is that it appeared very incidental and it just, his head just hit the wrong way. And like... Mm-hmm. How is Simon Gotch going to botch that? He tossed him into the ropes. and It was kind of on Enzo to successfully maneuver his body through the ropes. Not that I'm blaming Enzo saying that he's a bad worker either. Right. But it's like, are you right. really going to blame Simon Gotch for that? Are you serious? No way. No way. It looked like he was trying to do a baseball slide that missed time that he was going to slide yeah. underneath the ring and come back in. And it's a maneuver that short people tend to like to do in wrestling. And, and I just think it was just an unfortunate incident. I mean, that yeah. could happen to anybody that made me really mad people say and Bubba Ray Dudley called a bunch of punks out on that which I was very happy to see him do as only he can do it um I guess um can we just take a moment to uh think about the baseball slide because in the in the span of a few months we see Neville shadow shatter his ankle trying to do a baseball slide and now this thing happening with Enzo and knowing Vince McMahon I wouldn't be shocked if the baseball slide gets banned Good point. WWE. It's it's uh, such an it's such a useful move too because you can turn it into a lot of things for spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yep. Sami Zayn does like a head first version of it if you think about it, and and that resulted in the finish in a lot of ways of that that classic that he and Nakamura had to take over. Remember, he went to do that like through the ropes DDT, and Nakamura just straight up kicked him in the face as he was coming through the yep. ropes. Um, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that's very, I didn't even think about that, Doctor, and that's a great point. Um, I think we've hit on just about everything, you know, big going on in terms of WWE. 
you know, we didn't talk a ton about Dean and Jericho, but I guess all I can say is R.I.P. Mitch. Hopefully we get Mitch too soon. <laughs> the that match just did it what it needed to do, though. It did. It was kind of like, yeah, it was very functional. Um, I think I think this feud in a lot of ways is a, it's interesting a little bit more so on Raw than the actual match was, but um, I think it's kind of a placeholder for Dean until the next thing. And, and Dean will be fine. Dean's great. He was on the top 10 uh, moneymakers in WWE list that just came out. So he's doing well. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Yeah. He was like number eight out of 10 or something. He was like right behind Taker. Because Taker, you know, he makes a lot of money for working very few dates compared to others. Right. Um, I'd like to move into this Ryback thing just real quick before, and maybe we can talk about it more in the weekend episode um, in depth. But ROH has their... Um, uh, Global Wars pay-per-view, I almost bought tickets for it because it's in Chicago, but I just, could, like I said with Payback, I couldn't justify spending more money on live wrestling after w- what we did in Dallas. But um, Cole Cabana is headlining against Jay Lethal for the ROH title, and there's a lot of New Japan talent on that. That's on Sunday night. Uh, I'm very much considering ordering it, fellas, like straight up ordering a pay-per-view. Nice. So if I do, I'll review that. If not, I won't. And I know that New Japan had their... Dontaku, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. They had the pay-per-view on the third, and Naito retained, and um, the Bullet Club got that three-man tag title back. So that's that's all good there, I guess. Um, I heard it was like a pretty decent show. But Ryback, um, did everybody read Ryback's Tumblr post before we get into I this? Did. I didn't. Can you give a brief overview of it? I can. D-Wayne, did you read it at all? D-Wayne's back, by the way, <laughs> listeners. Um... So essentially, he he jobbed again to Sinkara on another pre-show match. That's two pre-shows in a row. After hey, being after being on the pre-show, oh, wait, what did I say? Sinkara, sorry, Kalisto. Yeah. Um, and he was on the pre-show, I believe, at last year's WrestleMania, also in the Battle Royal. Um, I'm actually pulling up the post that he put on Tumblr right now. And I don't know if you guys noticed the weightlifting belt that he wore. It had something about, st- like, um... Pre-show stopper? Pre-show yeah, stopper. Yeah, D-Wayne called it out. Yeah, it said WWE pre-show stopper. And it was, and was cl- like, oh. clearly a, a move of protest on the part of Ryan Reeves, a.k.a. Ryback. But, so he has a, a Tumblr. It's uh, thebigguyryback22.tumblr.com. And he had a post called Feed Me More, and it's several paragraphs long. It took me a few minutes to actually read through the whole thing. It's mostly well-written. You know, there's some grammatical and spelling things that I won't get into, but I'm sure it was written. Okay, teacher. Okay, teacher. Yeah, well, you know, Dr. M is a stickler about that too, for sure. Yeah. Um, It it seemed like it was written with uh, in the a moment of emotion. Says It seems as if he wrote it on a plane. And basically what he goes on to describe is that he he and Vince agreed that he should be off TV and go home until they can figure out his new WWE contract. His deal is up, I believe it's up in July. I might even say it here and I'm just missing it. I think it's up in sure. July. July. And um, he said that right now it, with the contract dispute with WWE and Vince, it's not about money. It's not about getting a tour bus. He said all that was ironed out a while ago because he said they've been – negotiating since back when he had the IC title. And when was that? Like last fall or even before that? Yeah. Something like that. Um, anyways, 
He said what it comes down to is uh, kind of an inherent problem in WWE in terms of how they compensate their talent. He says that from his perspective, the people who, you know, storyline fake win matches on TV because it's all predetermined are compensated more um, over a trend than the people who lose on television. And he says, you know, I have a pay-per-view record of like 12 and 26, and I'm very happy to put talent over and make guys look good. And I take a lot of pride in that. And I think, you know, he was speaking specifically about his recent matches with Kalisto, which I think Kalisto would not have looked nearly as good as he did if not for working against such a big, athletic, burly man who is very talented, as Ryback is, who can cut a heck of a promo now. But he basically said that um, he will not be able to agree to a deal with WWE until that situation, maybe at least in terms of his compensation, is addressed. And he goes on to talk about how merch factors into that. And he says that um, he refuses to be stifled creatively or uh, in terms of compensation as a professional. And he says that if he's released, so be it. Um, And that's, you know, you can read the whole thing, like I said, but I guess I just like to get everyone's reaction to it before I give my own. Because I feel like I just talked way too much. D-Wayne, you go first. D-Wayne's laughing his butt off right now. Understand what he's saying, but you have to realize it's a business. Whoever makes you the most money is going to get paid the most. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Um, he, he goes on this random saying, whoever wins the most on TV, you know, gets the most money. Well, let's be real. He <laughs> damn first didn't win a lot. And he made some money. I guess you said earlier, top 10. Yeah, he's in the top he's 10. Yep. He drew over a million dollars last year. Yeah, so so he's, I don't, the thing is, is that I hate to say this, and I was reading um, reports on different wrestling websites, honestly, the WWE has so much talent that if Ryback was to be going, we probably wouldn't miss him. Um, and, and I hate to say that, you know, it's certain people that I know that it's just like, okay, well, if they're gone, I'm not going to miss them. Big Show's one of them. Mark Henry is another. And I hate to say this, right back is another. I won't miss them if they were gone. And I'm sorry to say that you can rant all you want, but at the end of the day, you're rant. Nine times ten is not going to get you anywhere, but in free agency somewhere, signing with Ring of Honor or TNA soon. But if you keep having an attitude, and I'm I'm speaking from Vince's point of view, I already made money off you, and guess what? I have someone who can replace you. So it, it's not a big deal, and that's why I laughed. And it's funny to me, like he tried to speak up. In which I, I give him props for speaking up, but it's not going to change the business side of things. It's not going to change what WWE does. And and I guess he says until that happens, he's not going to be, well, goodbye. See you later. Yeah. It was nice talking about you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, Honestly, that was incredibly well put. You said a lot of what of I planned to say. So good on you, D-Wayne. I, I agree with uh, what you said there. Uh, good doctor. Anything to add on uh, the eloquence of one D Wayne? Uh, yeah, D Wayne captured a lot of what I was thinking too. Um, you know, I I have to say, I part of me does feel somewhat bad for Ryback because I think we can all see that he does work hard, 
and that he is someone who um, takes a lot of pride in what he does. But um, his argument is logically flawed, as D. Wayne has pointed out. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are plenty of wrestlers who lose frequently on TV and are doing quite well for themselves because they are charismatic, they sell lots of merchandise, and they have found a way to get the fans behind them. So, you know, that part of Ryback's argument just logically doesn't make sense. Um, And then, you know, I'm also thinking about, you know, if he does get released by WWE, um, does he think this is going to be any different at any other major company? Because if he goes to TNA, for example, and I I wouldn't be shocked if he is on TNA's roster by the end of the year. Um, But I would imagine the pay system is roughly the same there and you know tna as i think it's very well known struggles to pay its wrestlers anyway so um you know i unfortunately i think he's just caught between a rock and a hard place right now and um you know the argument he he's trying to make just doesn't hold up and like d wayne said you know the ball is going to keep rolling whether he you know wants to sit at home and, and gripe or not because I mean, thinking about NXT now, they've just brought in a bunch of new people to the Performance Center. Uh, among them, several guys who are kind of big and nasty looking like Ryback is. So, you know, if Ryback decides to, you know, hit the road, then um, there there will certainly be a replacement sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, let me let me frame a question for you, Celis, so we can kind of get your thoughts too. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we Dr. M mentioned and D-Way mentioned he could go to an ROH, he could go to a TNA. I think there's something to be said for the model that they tried with uh, Tyson Kidd when NXT first debuted on the network, kind of the network era side of NXT, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he got down there, he got himself back over between that and Total Divas. He came up and formed an amazing tag team after doing kind of the whole natty angle when they was kind of yeah. like punking her out and trying to get himself over type of thing um if it wasn't for that injury i think that he would be a a huge star currently right now what's to say ryback couldn't have gone down there and worked with a baron corbin or worked with a finn balor or samoa joe why don't they do that more often with guys like him or kind of in a situation where there's not really a a hard and fast spot on the main roster why not go that route I, i don't understand why they're not using this incredible resource that they have down there in florida um, that's a great question, and I, I'm going to answer that within why I kind of feel bad for Ryback. Okay. Now, first of all, Ryback, the reason why he can't do it, because Ryback is too much of a common name on the main event level, because he did have some legitimate, excuse me, legitimate main event programs, one against CM Punk, one against John Cena. So to me, when you make your way to the top like that, it's hard to bring yourself to reboot yourself back down like a Tyson Kidd because Tyson Kidd was never over like that as a main event or even a mid-card type person. So, But let me let me backtrack and give you a couple of stories. Let's think about this guy when he first came in. He came in on the original NXT. And if you remember the original NXT, this is right when uh, ECW ended and on the Sci-Fi Network, they wanted to bring a new type of program to build in new superstars that was NXT and that transitioned to what became known as the Nexus. In that Nexus group, um, we had Ryback, which was then known as Skip Sheffield. If you remember during that time, even though Wade Barrett was the number one person in that group, the most dominant person on a physical aspect in that group was Ryback. What did they do every time? 
they tried to, oh, excuse me, Skip Shepard. What did they do every time when they had everybody do their finishers? Who did their finisher last? Ryback, because he had that meat hook, and that meat hook was like the end-all of all end-all. But then at a the certain time, Ryback broke his ankle. And that ankle was seriously so bad that he's talked about it on podcasts, he's talked about it on a live promo, which it almost legitimately ended his career. This guy took over a year to work his way back to the top, and when he tried to work his way back to the top, he did his gimmick over, he had a new name, and it seemed like he was bound to get a main event push. But even when he seemed like he was so close to getting that main event push, maybe getting a major title, he got himself knocked back down. He did get a mid-card title, but he's at the point where he felt like he works very hard, but he doesn't feel like WWE knows what to do with his character in order to get him the spot that he deserves. Now, this story reminds me of two stories in particular which had happened, and it happened twice in WWE that I remember that was similar to this. The first was Christian. Christian was in a point where I think he was feuded for hardcore titles or maybe the European title at the time, where it was the low-card title, but you could tell his gimmick was better than what he was portrayed as what level on the roster. Yeah. Because this is when he separated from Edge. The whole and he just got to the thing. point where he was frustrated, so he just quit. So when he quit, he went to TNA, and when he went to TNA, he actually became a world champion, and he built himself up to a good main event type guy. So he's thinking, if I'm doing this in TNA, why don't I come back to WWE and do it? So when he came back to WWE, he did get his World Heavyweight Championship, but he only had it for one day. So it seemed like he still was not appreciated to the point where he could be you know, considered a legit World Heavyweight Champion during that time when they still had the SmackDown days and the Raw days and the brand extension. The second guy that I want to compare to is Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy was had his WrestleMania moment where he won the briefcase at a WrestleMania 23 with Money in the Bank, but injuries always portrayed him to somebody that could not carry that brass ring. Now, unlike Christian, Mr. Kennedy never got a World Heavyweight title. All Mr. Kennedy got was a one-time U.S. title reign that was very short, but at least it was a mid-card title to show that he can carry a singles belt. So Mr. Kennedy tried to get himself back to the top, but once again, got many feuds with William Regal, Paul Burchill, that can never get him back over to the top. And then eventually, injuries happened again, and he was cut from WWE. He went to TNA, and then he became a world heavyweight title person in TNA. So I think Ryback is just going through that same situation where he feels like he could be to the top. I legitimately could see him as a world heavyweight champion. Yes, like D. Wayne and Dr. M said, he's kind of you know fabricating himself when he's making those statements because, of course, a lot of people do work hard. But the point is, if he's worked so hard, came through injuries, legitimately improved himself in the ring, he's feel like, why is he not getting his fair chance and always be putting on a pre-show? So in a way, I do feel for Ryback. I kind of like the guy. He's not one of my favorite wrestlers, but he does work hard in the ring. So even though on a manuscript perspective, I understand, yeah, you'll be good without him. But on a personal perspective, yeah, he still deserves more chances, if you know what I mean. So I compare it a lot to what Christian went through and what uh, Mr. Kennedy went through. And like, if he went to another company like ROH or TNA, he's going to become a world champion. And he's probably going to find his way back to WWE saying, why couldn't you let me do this here? Explanation, good story. So let's let's. I like the comparison. Of, I like the Christian comparison. Now, Mr. Kennedy, he did his his own self in. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, so and, and the thing is, it's kind of you know what this guy right kind of reminds me of, but on a smaller aspect. Well, on a very very smaller aspect of it. CM Punk's great. 
Which is yep. hilarious because he hates Ryback and made a very big point about that on this Colt Cabana podcast. Yep. Which is yep. what? Which is DUA? And that's exactly what I thought listening to it. It sounds very punk esque, and it's like, yes. did we not see how that worked out for CM Punk with the company? Considering you actually want to stay, it just seemed. It, it's like with any profession. If you're a professional, you're not going to put your employer out on blast on the internet and expect nope. to go back and have a business relationship. I think he's trying to get released deep down. Yeah, and. You know, you guys mentioned him going to TNA, and it seems like kind of an obvious fit. You know, TNA kind of, in a lot of ways, is a land of WWE misfit toys. I mean, for goodness sakes, Drew Galloway was their champion at one point here recently, and Matt Hardy was too. Yep, exactly. And, you know, EC3 has become a big star there after not getting his proper due in NXT when it was that show on Sci-Fi that you spoke about. Um, I would rather see Ryback go to Ring of Honor. I'll tell you why. First of all, I think he's more competent in the ring now than people give him credit for. He was doing some great things with Kalisto recently. I like the the gimmick modification because he's been coming out and doing a lot of the same shtick for two years now. Granted, WWE's also dropped the ball on him with booking, specifically that heel turn after he lost to Mark Henry at WrestleMania 29. I had the unfortunate pleasure of seeing him main event against John Cena in a three stages match at the first payback yeah. and it was not a great match but i got to see punk jericho um on that card so it was all good and and i got to see dolph del rio and aj lee won her divas title for that long reign at that show so it was all good um i'd like to see him go to ring of honor think about what a big heel he'd be the ring of honor audience would hate him and it would be great um but is there a place for him in ring of honor considering the technical ring work that we kind of expect out of that product, who knows? We'll see. Um, but you him know, and Moose will work well together. Oh, him and Moose could be a good tag team too. Although I'd rather see Moose kind of ascend as a singles wrestler, like we've talked about in the past. He's tagging with Okada on Sunday, by the way. I don't know who they're facing off the top of my head, but I remember they announced that at the um, Supercard show that we were at in Dallas. They did. Um. All right, well, I get like D-Wayne said, sayonara, Ryback. We look forward to seeing you down the, down the trail at some point here. Um, yeah, there's no there's no way they're going to do business together after that. You know, the Adam Rose thing was not as severe. He's more defending himself. I think Adam Rose will be fine, hopefully. I'd like, you know, knowing what we know about uh, Ray LaPon, the man from that ESPN special, I hope that he, sure. he didn't torch his bridge with the company, at, who's given him several gimmick chances over the years, by the way. Um, but then again, you know, yeah, then again, he made it sound like maybe he was unjustly charged with that thing, but I guess you gotta be smart when you're in a performance-based sport that tests like that. But real quick, before we go, um, there's been a lot of new programming on the WWE network and I just wanted to my name some shows and I want you to tell me yay or nay on them real quick, just so I can hear you guys' thoughts. Cause we haven't really talked about it. Edge and Christian show, yay or nay? I still haven't watched and I can't get into yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't had a, uh, an opportunity to really get into it. I hear it's good, though. What about you, D-Wayne? I haven't had an opportunity to watch it. I mean, from the, from the previews of, of it, 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 it seems like it's funny, but then it can seem like it goes overboard in that I I am a regular viewer of it. I've seen all the episodes. I can tell you, after the first like two or three, they really get going, and it's actually pretty funny. Specifically, the last the last like four have been very enjoyable. Like when Bailey beats up Tommy Dreamer with a kendo stick, <laughs> and there's yeah, I, I actually really enjoy that show. And it sounds like what Edge has said is there's probably not going to be a second season, which is sad because I enjoy it. Camp WWE. Um, 
I saw the first five minutes. The only reason why I stopped watching it because I was sleepy, but I'm sold on it. It's great. It's I'm so. so it. it's It is awesome. Vince, Vince is the man. Vince is great, and I want you to go back and finish that episode because there's a part with the Stone Cold character. <laughs> I've gone back and watched this part three times. He says the F word as part of the part I'm talking about. Oh, I was going to watch it. I almost woke my wife up. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> and then the episode on that comes on Sunday this week on demand. Uh, apparently someone shaves The Rock's eyebrow off and Ric Flair has to help him find his mojo. <laughs> oh, I, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Trust me. I, I, would, I was sold on it for the first five minutes. The only oh, reason I didn't watch it because I was sleeping. It's great. And um, if you've ever watched Robot Chicken, it's from Seth Green who does that show too. You kind of know yep. what to expect out of it. Um, yep. It's, exactly. It's very great. Did you guys watch Legends House at all when the network first came out? No, I no, wasn't I interested in it at the time. <sighs> my wife. Me either. I didn't see it. My wife and I love that show. Gosh, you guys are paying nine ninety nine. You're not watching Squat. There's some <laughs> stuff on there, man. Um, and then one more thing, network wise, did you guys hear about the the Mick Foley podcast interview, a tell all with yes. Shane McMahon? That's going to be tremendous. Be, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, they man. Do, May, do May 24th, right? 25th, I think. I think it's on after Raw. Okay. Which makes me think Shane's going to be around for a while if they're going to set up kind of all that backstory investment from like a, not, like a I, I'm non-KP. I'm the WCW stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. I like just stories about everything, man. He's. I'd, I want to hear him talk about the Kurt match, too. Yep. It's just like such an infamous match for me. Um I think we did it, you guys. You ready to go? Sounds good. All right. Well, I guess we'll get back with everybody on Sunday. I know we missed our, our Sunday episode this week. Um, I don't know. The, the weather was nice. I didn't feel like recording. I think D-Wayne's going through the sands of time right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, what can I say? We on a good podcast. We are a bad podcast. We are the podcast. The Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Um, but we'll, we'll try and get with you Sunday. Maybe it'll be kind of an amp-up show for Ring of Honor, especially if I decide to order it. I think I might. Um, I'm sure we'll have some stuff to talk about. Maybe Ryback will be fired by then if he posts more blog posts or whatever. But um, thanks for listening. We need to come up with like a sign-out phrase, like a catchphrase, you guys. Oh, yeah, we do. That will be a good one. We got to think about that one. I was thinking about it before we got on, and I I don't know. I don't want to rip off the Roman Reigns thing, but it is kind of funny. Um, I don't know. Fans, if you can think of a good sign-off phrase for us, please let us know. My my creativity is tapped for the day. Um, but, yeah, let, let's get out of here. We'll, we'll come up with something. For now, I'll just say snoochie boochies. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Jay and Silent Bob. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks.